Welcome to Monday. Yeah. Welcome to Monday. I'm John Browner. I'm joined by Jason Lawhead. We are known as Browner and Lawhead, your favorite show from Monday to Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. We've got the weekend in sports. We've got the Padres off to a great start. We've got the NFL draft, which we were talking about off air. We've got the NBA playoffs. We've got so much to talk about. We've got our comedy show that happened on Saturday that we'll talk about as well. You can listen to anything you've heard here, May the 2nd, on a Monday at Kaplan and Crew, on the iTunes podcast store, or on the YouTube page because we are the number one show in the Kaplan and Crew Great Friends Podcast Network. What's up, Jason? What up, John Browner? You know, uh, usually everybody uh, everybody hates Mondays, right? Mondays suck. But, you know, a lot of times as a comic, Mondays feel, feel really good. Or they can feel real bad if you had a bad weekend or a bad Saturday or Sunday night. But uh, what I want to know is uh, how you feel on how you felt on Sunday after Saturday night. Because I know some of the great friends made it out there to, to eat both shows we did. And first off, uh, awesome shows, awesome crowds. Thanks for everybody coming out to the Grand Comedy Club and Escondido. Um, and if you're listening to this, keep your ears open for more shows in the future if you couldn't have made it. But, dude, I mean, I, you know, I told you afterwards, we texted, we talked. Uh, I can't, you know, I, I hate saying I'm proud of a man. Like, that's a weird thing to say. <laughs> Right. Like, you know, like, you know, like I'm, you know, it's weird, it's weird. Yeah, I it's weird to be like, hey, I'm really proud of you. Like, you know, maybe if you went through an addiction and you got sober and you got right. your life together, cancer then, then there's some type of but like to just do things that guys do to be like, hey, I'm really proud of you. Yeah, right. That's weird. All right. You know, like even when I, I shot like somebody told me like recently I, I had this joke with this buddy of mine that I, you know, he was like telling me about, you know, me doing and going out and doing another you know special on my own and just doing the things and putting them out on my own art. And uh, he's like, dude, I'm really proud of you. And I'm like, that was weird, dude. Don't, don't say that. Say happy for me or say like, dude, that's really cool what you're doing. Awesome. But uh, there is a part of me. I, I'm, 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 I was proud of you on Saturday night and uh, impressed. And, um, you know, you don't want to get too ahead of the cart. But, man, I, I'll tell you, I've discussed it with some other people. And, you know, that was time basically time three and four on stage. Maybe five if you count the big Tony um, or not. We did that Pena. fundraiser through all those guys for that Marine Corps guy yeah, years Sergeant ago. Pena. Uh, uh, but regardless, uh, you know, dude, uh, you have a kind of affinity for what you're doing up there with that you would you know you'd see and you'd go this guy's been doing it for at least you know a year maybe two years i mean there's guys at two years that i just don't feel like you know have what you've already shown so that that was cool that's what made me proud and kind of uh you know like you know you sit there and you go yeah man because it would suck if you sucked and I had to tell you, you suck. We can't do this anymore. But let's keep doing, <laughs> let's keep doing the show. It's kind of like when a, when a couple's like, look, we can't afford to get divorced. So I'll sleep right. on the couch and we'll ride this thing out under one roof. But uh, right. so no, I mean, so I'm proud, relieved, but um, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, man, I just, you know, it was awesome. And, and it's like, it's one of those things where, 
you had to be there. And I, and I hope yeah. if you're listening and you wanted to be there, you wanted to be at Humphreys. And the next time we were, were able to make a night where, where we can get a show on, on a, on a club locally, you'll come out. Cause, uh, for everybody listening, man, you gotta, you just kind of had to be there and you gotta be there for the next time. So kudos, dude, you came prepared. You came, uh, ready to, to, to go into the crowd and, and have fun with them. And you did, you were on a high alert, which, which means that you were, you know, you didn't freeze. You didn't like let anything in the moment. You just went with it. You said you, what you were going to say. And if it was going to hit and be funny, like when it came to like the crowd work or the improv stuff, then so be it. But you committed to not freezing up and thinking of something to say or letting the crowd member get the last word and having dead air and all that kind of stuff. So, dude, great job. I mean, big laughs. You know, I could see second show. You had to feel great because, you know, first show you did really good, but I can sense a little bit of you were still kind of like stepping through the mud a little bit in the beginning to feel out where you were. Whereas by the time you were on stage for the second show and you had gotten that first show flavor, you did well, you ended well, you had to be feeling good out of the out of the gate of the first show because you like walked off stage from the first show and walked right back on stage for the second show in that same swagger. And um, that was cool to see you kind of go from how you walked on stage from the first show to how you left the stage because because it went well and how it that walk went right back on stage for the second show, which was a little bit of a smaller crowd, right? Like, and mm-hmm. I think honestly, uh, maybe not as a vocal of a crowd in the beginning. Energetic, yeah, they had to get worked on. Josh had to do some work. James uh, P. Conley, Josh Nelson, James P. Conley did great jobs on both shows, but that that room because it gets sat faster than the first room. The first so they're 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 sat really quick. The show starts really quick where the first show crowd has time to sit, order drinks, you know, da 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 and loosen up. So uh yeah man. I mean I I've been rambling about it, but I'm just trying to remember all the great things that I'm remembering from that night. And uh you know it, it, you you had to feel great on Sunday morning, dude. I'll start by I'll start by saying two things. The first and foremost Big, big thank you to everybody who showed up at the Grand Comedy Club in Escondido. Whether you went there just randomly and now you randomly ended up here, or you listened to this show, you listened to Kaplan and Crew, and you came out to support us. Huge thank you. The first show was literally packed to the wall. Shout out to these wild ladies from Victorville. I'm never (laughs) going to Victorville. Um, Just fantastic crowd on both sides i think the first crowd was just random people who like comedy and just came into the grand comedy club because they're, they're building a reputation of right. having good comments sure. and i think the second crowd was more of people who listened to kaplan and crew and more people listening to this show and so the dynamics were different so that so thank you to everybody who came out that's first second in a very 100 honest moment to you to say that you're proud of me is an interesting thing because this is happening because of you. Like, I'm wow. telling the jokes, like, yeah, but if it wasn't for you creating the opportunity, none of this would, I mean, obviously we'd still be doing the show because the two things are completely separate from each other. But creating the opportunity to give me the chance to see if I could or I couldn't. Like you said, I could have sucked. I mean, luckily, <laughs> I, up to this point, I haven't. But the opportunity was created by you. So for you to for you to see that and see the potential yeah. or see the 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 opportunity for me to see if I could do it 
like you get credit for that. And so to say that you were proud of it is that's a fair thing to say. It still f- sounds kind of weird when you say it to an <laughs> right. adult man. Yeah. So I I understand that 100%, but you absolutely played a large part in in, well, in these opportunities that I've had and so I'm absolutely thankful of that. And so of course there's a you you get some credit for that and you should. Well, I appreciate that, man. And you know, one thing is is that uh, uh, so many people has have helped me along the way right in this journey and i remember having a discussion one time when i was just like overly thanking years ago i was overly thanking bill burr for taking me on on this awesome tour and you know it was an amazing experience we did all these theaters and all these cities and some of them i had never been to that i wanted to go to and i I just remember like at the end of the tour overly thanking him and he's like you know look man there's going to be a time where you're going to be in a position you're going to get to help somebody in this in this business down the road and and, and you know da 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 and I, and I've always wanted that because you know my dad was a, a high school basketball coach and he was he was legendary in our area and my dad had he 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 was kind of that that you know he had so many assistants that would he would have assistants and then they'd move on and he'd help them get other jobs sometimes at schools that coached against him right like he'd put the call in and write write a letter of recommendation or whatever and so um always kind of coming from that you know type of background comedy is such a a, such a grind it's Mm -hmm. such a you know what can i get from it business and sometimes early on that's really all you're trying to do is get something from the business, right? Because you don't have the agency or, 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 you know, experience to help. It's funny because I don't know if you've, you've heard of a, a Simpson he, uh, of a comic named Brian Simpson. He actually started in the San Diego area um, and then went up to LA, was a door guy at co- the comedy store uh, up in LA. And within the last couple of years, uh, has just really blown up. I mean, he's doing all these uh, Netflix series stuff. He's at the Netflix is a joke uh, a documentary. He's going to be interviewed by Letterman. And he's just within the last couple of years blown up into this. Uh, and he's a great, deservingly so. He's such a smart, great writer, great deliverer of, of the joke, great essence on stage, so funny, and just a uh, a, a funny character, a, a funny uh, deliverer of the jokes a great poignant poignant writer all the all the great things that, that this guy has but what's funny is is that i remember years ago you know um when he was coming up and i, and I would run into him and i'd see him uh, do shows with him at the madhouse he would get to see would be so much better from the last time i saw him and i i remember thinking like when there was times i was like you know what dude man i i'm gonna start really pounding the pavement next year and headline him more across the country and whatnot and dude i'd love for you to come out and feature for me and i i already had that like I want to help somebody. I want to. I want to be able to be like. I want to. You know. I want to help somebody because this was right. like. I, I. You know. I want to be at a stage where I've been doing this long enough where I'd love to be able to tell somebody like, yeah, man, come and open for me or do do this and. Right. Know. Now this guy, I'm like, hey, man, can I open for you in Austin? <laughs> you know. But it's <laughs> it's cool because you know now. I, but there is chances now that I do get to fulfill. And you want to help people that you believe in. You're not just going to be like, hey, uh, you know, let, let me feel good about myself and take you along. And um, so I knew from the beginning of saying like, dude, I think if I if I can throw Browner's, you know, a bone and if he's into it and wants to do it, I, I got a feeling that this guy, you know, could really become something or at least, you know, allow himself to 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 look at the landscape and decide whether uh, this is, you know, so. 
I, and I, what I saw Saturday night was a guy that was at work. Dude, you were in the back of the green room. Dude, you were, dude, you were in the back of the green room like Jordan at his locker like two hours before game time at game six, dude. You were just kind of there, just kind of zenning. And, you know, I'm, I'm 18 years in, and, yeah, I have to do more time, and it's headlining time. You got to be ready for the marathon. But, but anyway, even in feature spots or whatever, I'm pacing. I'm moving around. I'm trying to talk to people. I'm saying hello to the weights. I'm just trying to stay energized and and engaged. So when I do get on stage, that that part of me comes out. And it was funny to watch you just kind of just chill in the green room, be very <laughs> like just with your just just sit. You were just kind of like. You know, like kind of like like I said, like Jordan in that little locker. You know, you know, slowly lacing them up, getting all ready before they go out. And and I thought that was cool. And then to see you kind of just go in and be the Browner that you are on the show, and the Browner right. people know on stage was awesome, dude. So the, uh, I got the, to watch like a little bit of you know, kind of a you know, the night in the the night in the in the life almost. Like I was like a documentary camera without rolling, but my eyes and my senses were like a little documentary in, in that night for you, which was kind of cool, man. Yeah. I, I think, um, playing sports and I've always been like super like, uh, energy. I'm the energy guy, the rebound guy, defense dunks, that kind of thing. And that energy, like it never goes away in your life. You just need to figure out a way to contain it. And so, um the i the show uh i had to tell myself you need to contain whatever it is and uh, and release it at the appropriate time and so as i'm sitting in the back i had i didn't know what i was going to say before the before the first show i had zero idea so i'm i'm just writing things i'm writing one sentences not jokes just writing topics of sentences and that's how I came about driving up Grand Avenue mm-hmm. and seeing the old hardware store. And so that now was I'm a great doing this. joke. I'm doing this and I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And and I'm locking in these jokes and I'm locking in these things that I'm remembering. And at the same time, as I because you say, okay, here they go. He's ending up. It's time to go the first time. And I'm like, okay, here we go. So we're walking out. And right where you told me where to stand before they call my name, at that point it like the energy started to come out and it's like, yeah. yeah, let's go. Let's do this. Yeah. And so harnessing that energy and having to come out a different way was weird. Cause you asked me how I felt the next day. I felt like I had did something good, but what I also realized is how exhausted I was. And it's yeah. such a different kind of tired. Cause you're not <laughs> in my case, like you're up there for a really long time. Me, not so much, but what you put into it yep. and, and the way you have to be locked in mentally to achieve the humor that you want to deliver. It's as exhausting as a 40 minute basketball game or a, or a 70 minute football, or 60 minute football game. Like the idea of fully concentrating everything you have into one thing is exhausting. And so when you were like, Oh, you guys work 40 hour weeks. Look at me, I'm up here working yeah. for 40 minutes. Like, and when you said that, I laughed because I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm exhausted and I only did like 20 minutes worth of jumping. Yeah. So, yeah, dude, it was it, the next day I felt accomplished, and but I also felt like, what's next? Like, what do, what do I do now? How do I go forward? But then I also was like, I am exhausted. I need to eat something. Yeah. No, that's cool because it is. And uh, 
it's a lot like um you know it's the the mental exhaustion i compare it to what the mental exhaustion does to the physical right you said it's like playing a basketball game you know what it's like is it's like coaching an intense basketball game for 40 minutes and you don't really you're not really running you're not the one playing the actual physical part of right. the sport but the actual mental concentration to stay on all high pistons firing and reacting and being able to think about all the three steps ahead you got to be so many steps ahead while you're in in the present of the steps that you're back here in but right. still right all the antennas have to be kind of going da, 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 da. so that's why you'll see so many times at the end of a game a coach looks like he just did a 90 minute workout but he was just you know from the scores table to a chair one the know. thing that the thing that i would say is that i woke Basically up like and a comic moves you know yeah i what i and the way i came up with what it was like I woke up the next morning and I'm thinking through it. And I'm working through it, and I and, and to myself I'm like, you have to be when you're on stage. The reason why it's so draining mentally because you have to be as a as a person. You have to defy time, and what I mean by that is this: when you're on stage, you need to be in the past. You need to also be in the present, but you also need to be in the future. That's that's a great yeah. Because true. you have to. That wheel has to exist all at once because you may need to go back to a joke. Oh yeah. You need to you may need to know I'm gonna tell this joke based on this person 10 minutes from now. That wheel is actually multiple gears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, you know what I mean? But what you're saying yeah. is because what you're 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 actually saying the past, the present, and the future. And so those are all multiple gears that yes. always have to be moving, you know, and uh yeah, man. Um that's a so great what, analogy. And I don't think I've ever heard any even comics say that because, you know, you hear so much that, you know, you got to, you know, you stay in the, you know, you got to be in the present. You got to be in the moment, which I totally agree with. You got to be in the moment. But your brain does have to be functioning at all three past, present yes. and, and and what's to come. Right. And uh, yes. the past can be, in, you know, the future could be, hey, I, what we just talked, what I talked about a second ago, I'm going to call that back later on in a joke. While right, you're in so the I, present telling a joke, you're thinking, okay, that is going to be told. That thing that I just went through with that person, I'm going to call that back reference in a future joke that I have. So you're right. Absolutely. Because I'm always, those gears are always grinding um, uh, at a high level, especially when I'm trying to introduce, you know, a chunk or, or new material into stuff. So I'm in the moment doing a, already tested bit that i know has gotten right. bad, you know what I'm saying? and then I'm, I'm 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 just saying those words performing them with the smile or the delivery and the timing while my whole brain is three steps in the future going okay dude don't forget the it goes it starts with this punch first and then this punch and hey, but you're doing punch. all that. i'm literally talking to myself in my head while I'm while you're having through. a conversation with a room full of people absolutely like it, that it's are looking classic. back at me laughing going stay on pace right. stay on pace at your timing you know deliver this and i have to still be going stay on pace deliver this with the look that you always do at the same pause that you always do right. because the timing all of it is so critical to the laugh and the the segue and all of it right 
So it's been a it dude these the these three shows, the two on Saturday and the one we did at Humphreys, it's been a real eye-opening and detailed experience for me to be able to kind of walk through this and kind of uh kind of get my feet not necessarily wet, because I don't feel like, but it's more like the mud that you spoke of before. Because yeah. you're get I'm getting through it. And every time I'm getting through it, I feel like because getting to the end of the show at Humphreys was kind of like, okay, how much more time I got? Right. Getting through the show on the first show on Saturday was kind of like, okay, I don't have enough. Nailed that closing on the second show, dude. You were leading the second show. I, I, that's an. I told my wife. She was like, "So how did how did your you know your partner do?" And I said, "You know." And I told her how 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 well you did and how and like I and she knows a comedy enough because I talk about the intricacies of it all the time. And I said, "This guy knew." He probably could have had another two minutes to do if he wanted to, but he knew where he was on, on the set. And I go like this instinct of experience came out when he hit this laugh at the end. He got this laugh and they were hanging on for the next thing he might say. And he just went Brown and Lawhead. Welcome back to the second half of the pod. Browner and Lawhead on the mightier ESPN Mightier 1090 ESPN. I completely forgot to say that to start the show. So, whoops, my bad, Bill Hagen. I owe you a nickel. Uh, I'm John Browner. That's Jason Lawhead. We are firmly known as Browner and Lawhead, and you are listening to the best podcast between 6 and 7 on Monday through Wednesday on the West Coast of America, west of the Mississippi. That's right. Bring your one-hour show against our one-hour show. We'll slap it. Hey, and to um, the new listeners, because I think, you know what, Friday, like you said, Saturday night, the first show – was just a lot of comedy fans, people yeah. in Escondido out. And we we obviously mentioned, uh, you know, the intro. We talked about uh, being on the radio together as partners and told them. What, so maybe, uh, hey, if you're from the first show or second show or even Wednesdays at Humphreys and you, 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 you found us there that night because you stumbled on comedy, welcome to the show. New listeners. Yeah, yeah. And so the first half of this podcast, we talked a lot about uh, Saturday and, and, and the understanding of it and kind of me being a, so new and learning the stand-up game and Jason kind of talking about being a, a, a seasoned vet and we kind of uh, put two a and proud, two together. A proud, uh, uh, you know, a proud comedy mentor. Yes, yes. Proud comedy mentor to a young person who knows nothing. <laughs> We are well. You ain't young. You're just new. Well, an old person, <laughs> an old dog with no tricks, trying to learn yeah. a trick. Um, we have so many more things to talk about when it comes to the sporting side of this thing because the Memphis Grizzlies. Well, the Bucks beat the Celtics. No one's shocked by it. I mean, I'm not shocked by that. I was shocked how I thought the Celtics thought they were going to play KD 2.0 again against Giannis and found out completely different animal. But the game that got my attention more than anything was Golden State against Memphis. And this foul that Draymond Green committed. Now, for the sake of time, I won't go through showing you the foul if you're watching on YouTube. It's Monday, uh, 6 o'clock. You've seen it already by now. But for those of you listening on the radio, I'll try to describe it. So in the second quarter of the game, it's fairly close game. Draymond Green slaps uh, Clark. I can't remember his first name, but slaps Clark in the a guy named Clark on the Grizzlies in the face. And then on the way down, grabs the guy by his jersey and yanks him down. Now, if you're listening to this, you go, that sounds terrible. And if you watch it, it did say it was terrible. He was ejected from the game, which led to a lot of controversy. People going back and forth. Draymond Green hopped on the own, his own show, which I won't give any publicity to because he doesn't need it. It was a dirty play. 
people say, oh, playoff basketball. Well, that's not playoff basketball anymore. You can't you can't do that anymore. And for a person who has been to this is how I know Draymond Green knows what Draymond Green is doing. For a guy who lost a NBA Finals game because of technicals, because he couldn't control himself, who's been suspended for regular season games and postseason games for having too many technicals for doing dumb stuff like, I don't know, pulling the guy down out of the air by his jersey, for him to still do that in a series, in a game one of a series where it's pivotal that you show these young punks what it is, he still did it. It was a dirty play. It was a massively dirty play. He deserved to be kicked out. Now, again, it depends on what you think a person should be kicked out of a playoff game for, but by the letter of the rule, he deserved he deserved to go. He deserved to go. I agree. And look, at the end of the day, is in, in 35 years ago, 30 years ago, would he have been ejected? Maybe still, because part of that ejection was based on reputation. You know, uh, back in the day, yeah, there was a few guys that had that reputation that they just did that like they like Derek Draymond does it. Draymond has that reputation. That's deep-seated. That was not just an isolated incident by Draymond Green. And that wasn't some retaliation. That wasn't like back in 80s basketball and 90s basketball. A lot of times you'd see that play, but it was because, yes, the game was allowed to be more physical, but that player had just taken an elbow two plays trips down the floor before that, right? So then there's this one of these kind of fouls and and back in the day, whatever. But that's, that's long time ago. And Draymond Green is uh, not only uh, ejected for that foul, which is ejectable in my opinion, especially in today's NBA. It's not like they just woke up to this rule. Um, and he, he's being ejected uh, may, largely on reputation as well. Just like Rashid Wallace used to get teed Perfect. largely on reputation as well. And so if it would have happened 35 years ago, he may have still gotten ejected because they may have looked at it and said, Draymond does this all the time. Rick Mahorn would get ejected once in a while because Rick Mahorn did it all the time. Even in a game like today, Patrick Beverly would be ejected if he did the exact same thing. Yes. Jay Crowder. There are a bunch of guys in the league now, this day, playing this game that would be seen as a dirty play. On reputation alone. Yeah, and so he deserved it. And anybody whining for him, saying that, oh, they did this because it was Draymond, yes. They did it because it was Draymond. So I I hope that we can get to a place. Because if you can't toss Draymond out for that, you can't toss anybody out for that. There isn't a player in the league, when they say call it consistent, call it both ways, if Draymond stays after something like that with Draymond's rep and the way Draymond operates later in that game, because if you don't eject him now, guess what? Yeah, oh, yeah. He, gets a second, he gets a second flag of run. He's automatically run because of the rule. But what I'm saying is, is you, and that's a great, that's why the refs, that's a great move by the refs. Look, this guy's probably, at the end of the day, he's probably just going to pick something up with later that we're going to have to toss him, uh, you know, automatically on the second tee. Uh, so let's just get this guy out of here now and send a statement to everybody the rest of the playoffs that if you make that play Draymond Green makes, you're, you're going, you're gone, you're run. So I I thought that the Warriors responded by that in true Warrior fashion. They complained about it to the referees during the timeout. Draymond did his, I don't even know what his his Antonio Brown thing where he jeered the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. 
which he's not that good of a player to be behaving like that before he runs off the court, by the way. Neither was Antonio Brown. And then it was as if the Warriors went, all right, that happened. Let's get it together. Otto Porter played better in the second half. Kevon Looney gave them actual productive minutes in the second half. Jonathan Kaminga came in and gave them some good defensive rotations and some loose, and some loose baskets. They showed you, we've done this before with him. We can lose this piece, especially against this team. Y'all ain't got no size either. We can lose this piece. Yeah. And they were absolutely fantastic. The Warriors' ball movement is what made them great. I mean, obviously, the shooting is what, what really made them great, but Memphis the shooting is great. Too. Huh? Memphis played a good game, too. Now, let's speak about Memphis for a second. That was the best punch they could throw. That was the Memphis haymaker. Jaron Jackson made six threes. Uh, John Moran, who doesn't make threes, made four threes. He made four threes against the Warriors, and he didn't make four threes total against the Timberwolves in a six-game series. He made four in one game. That was the that was the juggernaut blow. That was the blow up. If we don't win this game, and by the way, he had a layup at the end of the game in which he missed. If we don't win this game, we're probably screwed. And they lost that game. So they're probably screwed. Because you're not going to shake the Warriors. <clears throat> yeah. You, 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 I, I felt like the Grizzlies had to come out, uh, out 2-0 ahead. It almost feels like even if they end with a split, it almost still feels like Golden State's up 2-0 going back home in a way um, with a split. So right now in the hole 0-1, um, once they get back home, you know, and you let Jordan Poole do that to you on the road, what's he going to do to you in Golden State, right? So, and, and that's a pool that they – now they've changed the lineup, right? Which is interesting because most of the first round, or at least early in that series, it was uh, uh, Poole and Looney in the starting lineup. And then when uh -huh. they decided to go to Steph, they took Looney out as well. And now it's Gary Payton Jr. in the starting lineup. So you're getting you're getting Looney coming off the bench, giving you those you know big minutes right off the bench behind Draymond. Mm -hmm. And so Draymond's kind of the the playing obviously the big with Wiggins in there in the starting uh, lineup at least but then the way you're able to mix rotations in with Otto Porter and then get Looney back on the floor uh you still have shooters in every rotation that you put out there um and and like you said the ball movement you know the ball movement from this team uh, and that's why even, you know, a, a few, you know, even a month or so ago when they were hurt and they were losing some straight and they had fought, I, we had talked and I said, man, I don't know, you get bodies back for them in the seven game series. You got to be better than the Warriors four times before they're better than you. Whew, that's a tall task. And I, and I don't think the youth of Memphis can, because I get, I watched them get down because I watched almost every game with the exception of the first one against when they played against Minnesota because it became such a great series. They got down by 10 points in every almost every game against Minnesota. And they, on the road, they were down 25 twice. Yep, twice. You're not going to be able to do that against Golden State. No. It's, it's, it's not a good idea. So no. I, I thought it was vital that Memphis win both their home games just to give them a shot. At beating at beating Golden State, and now I, I I don't really know where they go from here, but we'll see. I think this is going to be another good competitive series because Memphis, if they have nothing, they have defense and they have tempo. So well, that's what they're going to have to display in Game Two. If they can't display in Game Two that they can keep the Warriors around a hundred, a hundred and five, and no more, then this thing's over. 
because yeah. that's yeah. that you know they've got to be able to say at home they've got to be able to go look we've got to start closing out reducing this kind of ball movement and uh you know they can't let the warriors play at that pace you know they can they can play that pace with the warriors but you're going to see games like losing 120 118 117 116 like they did yesterday the other two games that one's happening right now and uh, it should be one should have been over i think it's over I, um Miami Philly which Joel and Beast now out for until mm-hmm. game 3 they say with the orbital fracture and the, and the mild concussion i your your guess is better than mine in that one and the game i just have no interest in like zero interest watching is phoenix against dallas I don't find Luca's a great player. I do not find him fun to watch. His his, his comp, constant complaining, constant just, dude. It's so bad. It's no thanks. I man. really want to watch him too, and I agree with because he's you. great. I mean, it's constant complaining. Everybody in the NBA will gripe at the officials. You see it, yes. It's this guy because, and maybe the NBA's got to do a better job of taking the camera off the guy. I mean, obviously, everybody loves Luca. They want Luca, but maybe it's just better that they pull off the camera and show the coach arguing over there while while Luca is looking like a five year old that's not getting his, you know his his lunchables. I, I mean, it, it's constant the way he holds up that game. They got to start teeing him for delays of game. I mean, he's holding up the flow of the game. It's all it's yeah. terrible. It's terrible, and, and so he takes away all the greatness that he does on the floor. And you're right. It's just like it's like it's it's like listening to someone nonstop, but not knowing what they're saying. You because you can't hear what he did. But it's just like, right. oh my god, I wish this guy would shut up, and I can't even hear him. So the NFL draft. Speaking of things we didn't hear, the NFL draft happened over the weekend. And if a tree falls in the woods, do you hear it? Because I, I, I mean, I didn't. This market has pretty much jettisoned football yeah. from an NFL level. And so there is no real craving for draft talk or mm-hmm. who took what or like I. And I you're still like exhausted by it, right? So by draft day is all we've heard for two weeks is every mock, every yeah. expert, Mick Vay or, or Mick Shea, okay, this guy, everything, all of it, draft board, who's go, all these things, all the comment, all the video, all the, the. And so it's almost like, and yeah, you're right. This this market that we're in. Um, for the most part has kind of just that eh. and I, I you know, me being a Cleveland guy you being we didn't have vital significant picks we traded them away for all the things we're excited about from months ago right. so uh I, you know pre-draft greater than draft I think at this point like they've the, the like the NFL actually got so involved in the off season to a degree they they've ruined a good thing in the draft like they they've taken the air out of something you used to look forward to by oversaturating the lead up to it yeah and with that said we'll move on because yeah i mean i'm perfectly i didn't watch i don't know anything other than having an opinion like that i don't know what else to talk about the draft belichick got criticized for Picking a third rounder in the first round? I, I mean, I don't know. I read headlines and I go, well, that right. doesn't interest me. Like we got Deshaun Watson. Hopefully he doesn't get suspended eight games. That's where I'm at. <laughs> Hope he keep his towel on in the massage room. That's about yeah, it. Exactly. Uh what we what we are going to talk about and what has been fascinating is the Senegal Padres. Now we saved them for laughs because this is vital, vital, vital chunks of importance. 
They're in first place. Ain't that sick? They're in first place. And now, again, we all know it's May, so this idea that, oh, talk to me after All-Star break, I'm not that guy. This team has illustrated something in the start of the season that I thought failed them last year. They couldn't beat bad teams consistently. Mm-hmm. The Padres have beaten – they've swept the Reds twice. They went two out of three against the Pirates, and now they've got two coming up against uh, the Indians. The Cleveland, I won't say Guardians, so you can do whatever yeah, you no, want to no. me, public. Uh, and they got two games against them, which Clevenger starting tomorrow, which back in Cleveland is a great place for a guy who's coming off two Tommy Johns to start, a place where he's familiar. So I, this team has a good energy. <laughs> it has a good flow to it. Bob Melvin has got them playing in a way that makes me think when they do hit a bump in the road, they're going to be okay. And they're doing all this without Tatis. Manny Machado is le- is second in batting average in the entire league. You know who's first? Eric Hosmer. Who saw that coming? So this this season is starting to develop a real storyline to it that I think is sustainable. Now, obviously, Eric Hosmer leading the baseball and hitting is not sustainable. But Manny Machado playing MVP-level baseball, which he's doing right now, that is absolutely sustainable. So, I mean, Eric Hosmer brought you back to earth as well when he made an error that cost him the game, the second game against the Pirates. So there's that. Yeah, no, like we talked about it before the season. And uh, once they announced we were playing some baseball, obviously, yeah, they've got to beat the bad teams. Uh, right now, there's not a lot of teams playing too bad in that division. Uh, you know, Arizona's even, you know, it's a bit of a surprise at 10 and 13. Uh, they're not, you know, uh, uh, you know, one of these just basement dwellers like a few of these teams in the league are and and the Padres are scoring runs right so they're filling the gaps of what needs to be done when some arms might don't may, may not be there in in their scheduled start or may not have enough uh you know juice in them to get through four and a half or four, five and a half innings and uh so yeah I mean you gotta hope that Hosber doesn't uh totally plunge. I mean, he's going to probably level off, but you got to hope that if he can just maybe be a, you know, consistently around 280 a month, if he just hits 280 a month, you'd rather have Hosmer be consistently at 280 a month than just have like two months where he hits 361 month, 381 month and the rest of the year. It's like months of 220, 225, 230. Which is so. probably what's coming. But that's what, yeah, you got to guard. So you got to kind of hope that Hosmer has that kind of a year where you're right. He's not gonna have, he's not gonna play to those numbers throughout the whole year. But if he can, if he can consistently be a 270 to 280 hitter on the month, and maybe you know have some streaks where he's got a you know a, a couple of weeks where he gets on a hitting streak, and then he can you know drive in big runs in some series, then great. But um, they're right there. That's where they needed to be. They had to come out and start out strong. The Dodgers are gonna be. You know, uh, they're going to be there all year long. And Dodgers have the 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 arsenal to make any moves they want at the trade deadline uh, more than the Padres probably. So, uh, you know, I think Bob Melvin's been a great addition uh, to this uh, this team playing kind of you know ready baseball, confident baseball, um, and I, I'm excited. I, I can't wait to get I down can... to the ballpark this year and uh, support the team because it as looks I said, like. This team has the feel that the Giants had last year, mm-hmm. where you would watch them play it was pitching defense, pitching defense, pitching defense, timely scoring, and be- the Padres, by the way, which looked terrible offensively if you were looking at the box score, but then you look at the overall numbers, 
they scored the most lead, most runs in the National League. Yeah, I mean, they played it, a couple more games than some teams, but only the Angels in all of baseball have scored more runs. And so you're looking at that going, wait, what? Yeah. Because when they lost, they didn't look good. And people are like, oh, they can't score, they can't score. And then you look up, they've played two more games, but somehow they're, they have a lot more runs than everybody else. So, you know, I – I like where this team is at. I like the direction of it. I like the, the level of camaraderie they seem to be exhibiting with each other. And they're doing all this without Fernando Tatis Jr., which, you know, will do nothing but add more energy to this ball club. Him and the athleticism of C.J. Abrams. I don't know what they're going to do with them, but when Tatis comes back, they're going to have to find a way to either platoon him in left or platoon him at second. Because Jake Cronenworth started off kind of slow. He seems to be picking it up as well. And so I'm psyched about this team. I'm psyched about where they at, and I, I hope that uh, they can continue this going. We gotta have a great friends' day down at the ballpark when it warms up a little bit more, maybe in the next month or something. I mean, we we have the the brunch, or the, we That's have the the lunch bunch. Friday. I think it's what it's called coming up on on Friday. On Friday, yep. Uh, and then there we're working on something with Seven Mile Casino to do the. Uh, I, I, Scott has terrible names. He's terrible with naming things. And so we've got these That's events planned, and he's he's making up all these. I corny... thought you said Scott was terrible with names, and then you followed it up with he's terrible at naming things. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. I was like, did I wait? No, I think he. I was at first. I was like, no, I think he just got that grammar wrong. And then I'm like, oh no, he's really saying no, no, he's terrible at naming things. That's he's hilarious. terrible with naming things. Terrible with naming That's things. Funny. So we'll we'll see what the next thing is called. I'm sure it'll be called something from a '70s or '80s movie that he saw and remembered, <laughs> and you know. So, uh, but other than that, thanks everybody for listening. Good We've time. Another, we got another show tomorrow and another show on Wednesday, but we got playoff games tonight, so there'll be plenty to talk about. And we'll, I'll go over some stuff about the draft and see what we can find about anything interesting via Charger, via NFC West. Via anything, but until next time, Brown and Lawhead, minor 290 ESPN. Peace.